Welcome to Horror Movie Talk's special Midnight Mass After Show. On a normal episode of Horror Movie Talk, we would review and discuss a single horror movie in detail, but for this series of eight episodes, we will be having an opinionated and accidentally funny discussion on each episode of Midnight Mass. This is episode four, titled Book Four, Lamentations. Your panel of expert hosts each week are doc or each episode i should say are dr bryce hansen who holds a phd in spookology and me professor david day the foremost expert in scare no-nos so without any further ado let's get into midnight mass after show episode four lamentations we gotta have we have to open with a word of prayer then oh yes we have to open to a word with a word of prayer um dear father Mike Flanagan, um, I ask that you bless this episode with your astonishing insight and forethought into um, both character development and and plot development. Also, I hope that you cast um, your beautiful wife for this episode, uh, if you see fit. Uh, if not, the Lord giveth and taketh away, um, and we love you either way. Uh, we know that you can see us, especially when we uh, pee-poo and masturbate. And so um, we will be refraining from that uh, during this episode. Amen. Amen. A lot of people don't know that Mike Flanagan is omniscient. Yeah, I, it's exo- He's said many times. If you catch it, on a, it's on the end of all the interviews because they're like, mm-hmm. hey, he's omniscient. He's like, God oh, damn it. Yes, I'm omniscient. I knew you were going to ask that. I did, yeah. I'm just ex- It's exhausting to know everything that's happening all the time. The interviewer is like, thank you so much for taking time with us, and we'll get back to the studio. And then Mike Flanagan leans in. He's like, I know what you did. <laughs> he's like, you you buried those poor girls. And then, and then it just cuts. <laughs> um, this episode starts with Aaron at the doctor's office, where they find one of the most disconcerting things I can possibly imagine out of her pregnancy. Uh, the baby appears to have vanished from inside her womb. Uh, this episode is pivotal to the series so far uh, in that we finally realize what the flying cat-eating presence is and what role it plays. We also learn that this new pastor, uh, uh, Father Paul, is not new at all, but Monsignor, all young and vibrant again. Finally, we get into pithy and heartfelt dialogue about what life and death are and how they can mean different things to different people. So before we get into spoilers, uh, I would like to take a moment to tell you that this episode is brought to you by nightchannels.com. If you are looking to find all the coolest horror movie, um, music, uh, pop culture, and subculture t-shirt designs and sweatshirt designs, you should head on over to nightchannels.com and take the Night Channels Challenge. This challenge is very simple, and let me just, this is going to be real quick, Um, so, you know, don't go anywhere, but the Night Channels Challenge is you just heading over to nightchannels.com, browse around, and see if you don't find something that you 
absolutely need. I guarantee you that after five minutes, you're, you're, you may close the site, but you'll be back. And when you do come back and you put something in your uh, shopping cart at nightchannels.com, if you enter code HMT at checkout, you get 13% off your entire order. And they were kind enough to bring you this episode today. So please head over there to support them. Um, they're one of the best. So we appreciate it. Also, if you want a if you want a themed shirt for uh this, you know, for vampires, they have a, a Vampiros Lesbos yeah, T-shirt and, and Chud. I mean, and Chuds Chud. are basically kind of vampire-y. And uh, Lair of the White Worm that looks like a vampire. Anyways, again, just go browse and you'll find something. Yeah. Use HMT at checkout. Um, also, if you'd like to support us, you can head to our website horrormovietalk.com. From there, you'll find links to our social media and uh, and our Patreon, and that's a, a fabulous way to support us directly. Our Patreon has tons of digital extras um, and all kinds of uh, treats and stuff for you to check out, so, so do so. Um, we post new episodes of our normal show every single Wednesday, so do like and subscribe and all that baloney to this show. And, uh, and if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can do so by calling... 682-253-4468. Thanks again for listening, and let's get into spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, so, as I said, um, we start with Aaron at the doctor, and she's just, you know, just chatting her up, just chatting up her doctor like anybody would, not expecting anything at all. And the doctor, this, this scene is... This is like the worst fear of anyone that goes to their OBGYN for a checkup for their baby. You got like, you splurt that, you know, gel on your tummy and you're like, okay, gonna hear a heartbeat, right? Like, I don't know about you, but like, that was the latent fear of any time. It's like, you never know. Oh yeah, anything could have happened. If your baby's just dead. And just floating around. And she's like, and so the doctor starts getting more serious. She's like, eh, it's time, let's pop on the ultrasound here. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's see. And she, and, and Aaron's like, hey, wait, am I pegnate? Am I peg, am I pegnate? Help. Am I pargant? Is she pargant? Am I gregnant? Doesn't seem to be. Seems to be as though she's not gregnant and at it's, all. It's not just that the baby's heart stopped. It's that it's not there. It's not even there. This is so shockingly weird. And the doctor's like, oh, sweetie, I mean, you know, a lot of people block it out or they just don't, you know, maybe you didn't realize it. But these, I mean, it's it's going to be hard to miss. So that's a little surprising. But yeah, a lot of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So it's she's assuming that there is a miscarriage and, and Aaron is just blocking it out of her memory. And Aaron's like, no, that's not, where. where's my fucking baby? Yeah, she's like, well, what did you do with it? What is the best time to sex to become pregnant? Because this is like, if you're a woman, you would, I don't know, if I was, when I, when I, you know, feel like a woman, I would <laughs> assume my go-to what? would be, um, I'm being gaslit right now. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, you're lying to me who's behind that mirror why are you telling me this because that's obviously not 
Yeah, she's happening. like, D- have you been feeling the baby kick? She's like, yeah, she's like a f- butterfly in there. Wait, wait, wait. I want to see. I want to see. I want to see what the sex is. You tell me. Tell me what the sex is. Can right. ooh bleed while ooh are purgert? <laughs> I get to love the mileage out of the purgert. Um, yeah, this 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 is one of those things that is. Uh, this is such a fucking scary concept, right? That I'm surprised you don't get this more. Like, I've never seen it done this way, where the baby's just it's oh, it's just not there. And then you start to realize, oh, everyone's getting younger in the town. Mm-hmm. Did the baby just turn into nothing? Did the baby young into nothing? It, the baby looked at you. <laughs> the baby looked at me. Right. Uh, yeah, we have to ask the big questions, which are... Danger ops, prangent sex, will it hurt baby top of his head? We don't know. Um, well, it won't hurt this baby because there is no baby, and that is terrifying. Yeah. But the good news is the pastor, quote, good news, <laughs> Pastor Paul, uh, Father Paul, is back from the dead, and Bev is forcing food upon him, uh, but he won't eat. Why won't he eat, Bryce? Why wouldn't he be hungry? <laughs> After, you know, dying. That's th- one of the most exhausting things you can do. I would think he'd be famished. David, I think he does hunger. For what? We'll learn that later. We'll learn this point. It's blood. He's, he hungers for blood. Oh. I have no idea where this series is going to go from here. <laughs> I have to tell you. Isn't it a great feeling? I'm fucking so... Where can it go? Right. Like, what can you do? Okay, so it's like, okay, so here's the here's where this episode. If you're done listening or watching this episode, um, you realize that Father Paul is now a vampire, <laughs> and not only that, there's like Papa Vampire here with him. Uh-huh. Like, I got you, son. Yeah. Like, we're gonna do this together. We're gonna ravage this village together. But what yeah, does he's this got, all he's mean? Got Father Paul and then Nosferat bro. Yeah. What does this all mean? Like, <sighs> and there's clearly a an important story being told here. There's a lot of undertones and like religious, you know, like, does is it trying to say that the Catholic Church is a scourge upon man sucking them dry? I mean, you could go that way. I think I think it's just using religion and religious thought as a scaffolding to tell this story, which is really interesting to me because you don't normally tell vampire stories around religion, even though it's like... He's still praying to God constantly. He's got the crucifix in his hand. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. He's still him, you know? Yeah. He's still a pastor. He He believes this thing to be an angel. And you don't... By appearances, it doesn't seem like he has nefarious intent, you know? Yeah. Like, he's... The the moment when he does, like, actually drink blood from Joe as he's dying, it's not... He's like, I don't know what that was. It was accidental, but he... It was he, an accident! <laughs> do I have it? No. It was an accident! Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> Sleepaway camp. But he... He's still himself. Like, he's just not, he just has this intense hunger. Like, and that's like what he's being affected by. And then he, he even likens it to an addiction when Joe comes in. He yeah. alludes to it. And he's like, I also have needs. Needs. 
<laughs> Your oh. needs. You. You'll do. <laughs> Your soul, Ralph. <laughs> um, no, so it's weird because, like, okay. At the start of this, he's not showing up for church. And Bev. Yeah, they keep canceling mass. Bev shows up and she's like. You got to get your shit together. He's like, I can't eat. I can't walk outside. Check this out. And he puts his hand in the sunlight and his hand burns. She's like, not a problem. Not a problem. <laughs> we this, got is this. The, this is the funnest episode for Bev. Oh, like, is it? this is Bev's time to shine, which is like taking control of the situation. Fixing shit. She's being, a fixer. Yeah. In this episode. Like, I got to say, you know, I hate Bev and everything she stands for, but if she was your wife, like, stuff would get done. Oh. You know? Like, she'd be... Yeah, the dogs next door to my house that never stop barking, no problem. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Bev's get some got rat poison. Bev's got them under control. Yeah, I mean, come on, Carrie, step it up. Go get <laughs> yeah, some rat well, poison, poison some dogs. Yeah, well, let's... Maybe we'll cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> that approves intent This will be very... Like, suspicious if the dogs do get poisoned. Well, I'd just like to point out, if that does happen, those dogs never stop barking, and they have tons (laughs) of neighbors. Tons! And we all hate them. Um, Any one of them has access to rat poison. All of them do. Yeah. I get... You know how I know how they all have access to rat poison? I gave it to them. (laughs) (laughs) But I I love Bev's reaction to the hand burning. She's like, okay. Okay, we'll deal with it. We, We can do this. Yeah. Gotta love that can-do attitude. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that's the thing with Bev is, like, the motivation isn't necessarily clear. Like, she's not necessarily hungering for power, but she definitely wants clout, Mm -hmm. and she wants to be the person that influences this town and is, like, the most admired churchgoer. You know? Yeah. But, you know, there's there's hints at, you know, her embezzling money, mm-hmm. her, you know, murdering dogs and priests. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's almost like she's just being driven by her own ego. Yeah. And her own, like, sense of this is what... A God-fearing person should look like, and I'm going to model myself after that, even though she's doing just literally just despicable things. Yeah, that that, that is definitely true. Um, we get we get a uh, in a heartfelt moment, or what tries to be a heartfelt moment between Riley and his dad out on their on his fishing boat, where his dad's like, "Look, I gotta. You ended up being the way you are, and that's no good." <laughs> Right? So, you know, I got to man up and apologize to you for fucking up. However, like, this is the most backhanded, shitty apology. Like, I know. Listen, Riley, I know what you're going through, buddy. I, this is, this is exactly what my dad would do. It's just like, oh, oh, uh, uh, you, you fucked up a lot. So it must be my fault somehow. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I fucked up for you. And it's like. Dude, it's not all about you. It's you just make it all about you, mm-hmm. and it's such a ugh. Yeah. yeah. And and Riley, God bless him, man. Riley is 
uh, he's a kind of a soldier, you know, like he takes all this stuff, all these offenses to his ego and to his uh, character just on the chin and doesn't say anything like he's constantly biting his tongue and uh, and he takes it in stride. You know, he's he's a good guy. Um, uh, and so, <laughs> yeah, we get to learn that Sarah's mom's, Sarah is the doctor. Her mom's memory is back entirely. Yeah. Just, yeah. Carte blanche. And in that same scene, we see, uh, father Paul's blood <laughs> in a vial. Actually, no, that's, um, oh, it's somebody else's blood. It was either Aaron's or her mother's blood. <gasps> Oh, it was her mom's blood. Yeah. Oh, no. It w- Maybe it was Aaron's blood. I th- uh, I, can, I'm, I'm, I can't remember specifically, but it was one of them, too. It was Aaron or her mom's blood sample oh, that boiled up and exploded a fucking vial. Okay, now, help me out here. So, how do, how do vampires... Brush me up a little bit on vampires, if you don't mind. Because, now, just in common knowledge vampire lore... Do you de-age to a certain extent? I thought you just stopped aging. This seems to have people going backwards. Well, I mean, uh, depends on the lore you use. I know in an interview with a vampire, um, Kirsten Dunst's character was like a little girl, and she didn't age after she turned into a vampire. So you're kind of fucked, depending on when you're turned. When you're taken, yeah. Um, So, yeah, you don't see a lot of old vampires, I guess. I suppose, but it seems to be happening in this. But I don't know. I mean, you look at, you look at, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. The, the movie. Right. um, 92. And, or I guess the story, like it starts out, Dracula is an old man and then he de-ages as he's drinking the blood of his victims. Oh yeah. So it's a theme, de-aging as a vampire. And in this we have that the the papa vampire giving his super vampire blood mm. to uh father father paul yeah and so and bam, that's that's the potent stuff yeah and i think <gasps> that's a, a uh, oh man i'm all putting this all together i'm putting this all together right here in this room mm-hmm. that's what father paul was adding to the sacrament he was adding his own blood to the sacrament no he was adding the monster's blood to the sacrament because oh. it shows him at the end of this episode. That's when that's Riley walks in on him. Right. And, um, the, the vampire is slitting his wrist and, and dropping bleeding into, into the... the vial. And like, that's what father or Monsignor Pruitt is asking for is like, he, I'm all out of the sacrament, you know, cause he's thirsting for Give me that good blood. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, so he's wanting the vampire's blood. And since he doesn't have any, laps up Joe's brain blood. Dude, poor fucking floor. Poor Joe. He <laughs> He's like, hey, you want a hug? Joe's like, I do want a hug. For probably the first time in like 40 years, Joe gets a hug from somebody who <laughs> like, is nice. You know, he sees as being nice to him and like caring about him. And then he fucking kills him. It's like, whoa, whoa, what the fuck are you doing? Let go of me. Yeah. He yeah. drops him on, basically just drops him onto a corner of a table and is like, okay, time to eat up. Yeah. Um, 
I was going to say something I forgot. Aaron's mom. So Aaron and Riley are sitting uh, alone at night and they have like a 10 minute long conversation and it is so pithy and great. Like you didn't love it. I loved this conversation where Aaron. Which conversation was it? Well, it, there were, I mean, there were a couple subjects. It was like them, their evening and it spanned a couple different scenes. Um, but one of the stories Aaron tells Riley is, you know, my mom told, you know, said we had to clip the wings of this dove I had. And she said, we all get our wings clipped eventually. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Now I, and I remember for some reason. Yeah. I didn't hear and, the characters that you were saying. She's but like, yeah. mama, did you have your wings clipped? And her mom's like, yes, I did. And I was like, mama, when was that? And she's like, when I had you. It's like, oh man. I sometimes forget that there's people that are awful people mm. that should not have children that don't want children, but do lot most many, a huge amount. Uh, it's, Oh, I don't know if I wouldn't say it's a majority. Well, of course not. You, you come from the, the good ones. Like, like, look, I mean, and, and well, there is one problem I have with this particular scene, which is, She's acting as though like clipping. I feel like they're indicating that clipping the wings of a dove is like permanent, permanent, and mm-hmm. it is not. See, I assumed it was. Yeah, I know. You're, you're the bird expert. Yeah, when you clip the wings of a bird, I mean, unless you're doing like docking their wings, which I would think can kill them because birds bleed very easily. Like, it's if you get down to the core of a even a fe- a feather, they can bleed out just from clipping a feather too short. Mm. So. All you're doing is just clipping the the, the feathers, mm-hmm. the the dead feather material, um, and so it's not a permanent thing. They're they'll they'll grow back, um, and it's you know, but uh, but boy, that story oof, that hit home. And then yeah. the bigger conversation that they were having about death and like what is death to you? Yeah, this is a great monologue. Both of them have a great monologue because it's Riley describing his conception of death and this is this is where i just admire mike flanagan because these conversations don't seem heavy-handed they don't seem like a writer showing off how clever he is this is this feels so real and straight from a real person it feels like he just recorded a conversation he had with his wife and then just transcribed it right so Riley basically gives the, you know, the atheist conception of death a little more metaphysical than, you know, yeah, than a pure, you know, pure like science, but heartfelt and beautiful, but basically boiling down to my body is recycled. I go back to the stars. Right. Yeah. And goes into great teeth. I mean, that's like under underselling it. Oh, sure. How, how, how great that monologue is. Well, we all saw it. Yeah. And then Riley's frames it as what happened to her, her baby. I think she says baby girl. Um, yeah. And you know, framing, framing it that way. It's just like, oh. oof, you know. It's so. It makes me feel better, though. Yeah. It's like, um, there's a lot of these scenes of of Riley having conversations with 
you know, the religious believers, either Aaron or Father Paul, um, previous to this, or was it in this episode where he has the conversation around, you know, why would God do allow bad things to happen? Yeah, allow bad things to happen, you know? Yeah. And then this is, you know, talking about conception of death and what it actually means and how it should guide your life kind of thing. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's good stuff. Like I, I wish there was more nuanced material like this out there in media where it feels respectful and it gives proper due to both sides. Yeah. Respectful, intelligent, and not contrived right? or, forced or it's just you're not making a statement about but you you are though a huge swath of people necessarily you're or saying like this side is wrong this side is right um it's saying like these are things that people tap into these are concepts that people hold on to and then within that there are some people that can be genuinely good and there's some people that can be genuinely awful Sometimes they're the same people. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know it's more of a represented representation of their personality and their choices than their environment or philosophy. You know, I think like you can see in the show that Bev is the worst, you know, psychopath on the island. Yeah, but there's. It's not because she's a believer in Christianity, because there's a lot of really good people yeah. that are there too, mm-hmm. you know, um, including Aaron, you know, right? And uh, yeah, it's it's good stuff. When Aaron summarizes her belief of death and how it works, she says, "Heaven is you being loved, and you're not ever alone." And I thought that was so beautiful Mm -hmm. and like, oh my God, I hope that's like, do you believe, do you believe in heaven? Like, do you believe in like there being a, a, a a time after cause you, cause you're still a practicing uh, Christian. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, with these things like, yeah, there's a belief, but it's more of a hope than anything. You know, it's like. I accept that there's no way of knowing. Sure. You know, I don't believe it's anyone a, that no, says that No, it's obviously a matter of faith. But it's also a very interesting, you know, thought experiment to say, like, what would that be like, you know? Yeah. And there's, it's one of the most fascinating, you know, ideas. And uh, it's so hard to conceive that even the made up um, versions of it or the versions that people assume what it's going to be like fall so short of what it has to be, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, you return to the arms of Jesus. It's like, okay, but there's like 9 billion people on the earth and there's like, that's just right now, hundreds of thousands of people dying every second, you yeah. know? Like, that's a lot of hugs to give, you know, yeah. for Jesus to go walk up to you and say like, welcome back, bro. It's hard for me. I think the thing that I get hung up on is there was nothing like 
bef- you know, so like I'm aware now, you know, I'm mm. alive and aware. And so I can't conceive of not of that, of not being alive and aware. Right. But if I try to remember back to when I wasn't, mm-hmm. I can't. Right. And that was just, it wasn't, it wasn't a lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. It was just no knowledge. It was just, right. there was nothing. Right. And, um, and it's hard for me to get away from that to, mm-hmm. to go, well, before there's nothing and then after there's nothing. I mean, it's also, it's almost like the, the religious story or the biblical story is, um, is a allegory of that. Right. Yeah. Because you have the, in the, the beginning, Genesis. in the beginning, there was nothing and, yeah, you know, or the, in the beginning there was God and, and nothing else. Right. And then he creates something. It's a so big, it's like, beautiful metaphor. Before me, there was something mm-hmm. like, I don't. I don't remember me existing. Right. Like I don't I didn't exist before I did. Was was there something before but you? Obviously there was something before me because something was here when I came, you know? Maybe. So this is also this is also crazy. Like So if you like look at the world of like, well everything everything came from something. Yeah. And then yeah, you, you work back. So maybe it does. Maybe it all just Sure. It's a computer program that turned on with with you. But it's 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 fun to think about, but I think, um, you know, you, you hope that whatever makes you yeah. and whatever mystery is life, that it doesn't end at death, that it's something apart from just your physical body. And, but, you know. Let's get into the final act of this. We got Bev the Fixer, and she walks in on Father Paul a murder scene basically <laughs> with father paul blood all over father paul and he's in basically hysterics he's he's out of it completely right and she's like okay we can deal with this we can, <laughs> it's just a dead man let's keep going let's keep going and so she sets she heads on back into mass and she's like hey Father Paul's got a stomach bug. Y'all sing some songs. I'll uh-huh. be back. You and you come with me. She gets the mayor. She gets the groundskeeper. They go in. She's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to roll him up in a rug. You're going to put him in the thing. And then we're g- at night, we're going to tie a heavy thing to him. We're going to put him in the water. Capiche? Okay, let's go. And the mayor's like, well, I don't. And she's like, slap the fuck out of <laughs> She's like, hey, hey. <laughs> Did you? Did did you question God when he gave your daughter the ability to walk again? No. No. You know, he gives and he takes away. So it's time for you to pay the piper. Put this man in a motherfucking rug and drop him in the ocean. Capiche? Yeah, this is one of those examples of um using <laughs> theology or scripture to back up being a horrible person you know you can see two sides of the coin of religion in this show because you see the truly inspirational and and like uplifting side of you know any of the sermons really from any any of the episodes you're like yeah you can use this material to really give people hope and give someone to something to hold on to and to frame how you're going to you know go about your life trying to be a good person. And then you can also use the same material and say like, listen, fucker, like 
God does shitty things all the time. And he all tells, time. Yeah. You think you're immune to it? Guess what? This he, is this is one of those shitty times that he's telling you to, you know, murder people. Buck so, up. You know. Yeah. And also there's, uh, now that I think of it, there's a little bit of a callback to the, um, <laughs> the uh, separation of church and state meeting, you know, because Bev alludes to like, well, I would never read, you know, passages from the Old Testament where it's, they're not appropriate for children. But then there's this throwaway line of yeah, this. she's like, but, but it's very helpful for adults. Very helpful for adults, and all the stuff that she's talking about in this episode to justify, you know, murder yeah. and covering up a murder—that's all from the Old Testament. I mean, I guess I'm a pretty sick guy. Yeah, she's she's gross. Um, oh man, yeah, that that was just a such a gnarly moment, and they and then they both fall in line. Like she gives them such a such a little brush up. She's like, right. fuck you, fuck you, you're on it, do it, right, do it." Um. So towards the end of this episode, it was just uh, it's crazy. I I mean, the pastor tells him that tells Riley Uh because he goes to the AA meeting and and Joe's not there and Joe's not there and he's like oh yeah he's Joe's visiting his sister well a throwaway line that Joe said in the last episode was my sister died a couple just recently right she she just recently dead yeah and so Riley's like okay and he t- goes back to his mom and he's like look you can you can follow this guy all you want but i have to know he's a, he's a goddamn liar he's straight up lied to my face about something that you should not lie about right and uh so that's the kind of person he is you could also give him the benefit of the doubt though of saying like maybe joe told him that he was seeing his sister but he wasn't actually or maybe he was just covering for Joe the best way he knew how Joe had a tough time right and Joe was like I don't know make something up and so yeah. this is the best thing he could do yeah, yeah. there's all kinds of shades of gray but we know that you right. know he right. sucked up Joe's brain blood mm, um, brain blood yeah that moment where he was like feasting on his head Ooh. <laughs> great <laughs> and Joe still being alive to like be like what what's the fuck what's happening um so yeah, and then it gets to the, the culmination of this episode where Riley's walking back home and he's like, wait. I should go. No. I should go talk. I'm not going to let this fly. The father. And he goes back to the rec center and walks in on, you know. The vampire giving mm-hmm. his blood to the sacrament. Mm-hmm. And Father Paul's like, oh no. And the vampire turns around and Boom. <laughs> Jumps right on him, man. Yeah, the angel, I should say, not yeah. vampire. Sure, got him. He's, he's got he's got pronouns and nouns. He's heck. He probably has verbs. Um, th- th- and then so okay, so this is so immediately I was struck with grief on this. I was yeah. like, Riley's my guy. Yeah, this is <laughs> I love Riley. He can't be dead, but now I'm like, oh shit, maybe he's just maybe he's just a vampire. Yeah, maybe he's I a mean, good, it, does, maybe it he's doesn't a show him. It doesn't show him being turned. Uh-uh. It's a cliffhanger. So that's, I mean, that's the one thing is that's super impressive about the show, and about previous Mike Flanagan series is that he's not shy about just straight up killing people that you care about. Yeah, and just using that for dramatic effect. Yeah, so you're like, oh, can't you just 
Make the bad people die. Yeah. Make the good people live. I really liked Riley, and I liked... I have a feeling that Riley's not totally gone, right? Because there's a lot of imagery at the start of the show um, and all throughout the show where we're dealing with Riley's sense of guilt mm-hmm. and uh, and kind of his dream sequences with the, being in yeah. the water and then seeing that girl that he, he accidentally killed in the car crash. I got to imagine some of that's going to come back. Yeah, because there's no resolution for his character if this is just his death but th- simultaneously he just had this very important discussion about what it's like to die with yeah. Aaron so maybe we get to see what uh, what death is like for Riley right oh so yeah I mean that's it's a cliffhanger I mean it's it's a real bold choice if if Riley stays dead yeah like yeah. it's um, I hope he I hope he lives I really do um so that was our episode for After Show, The Book of Lamentations. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode or any of our episodes, make sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Please do check out nightchannels.com. Use code HMT and you get 13% off your whole order. And they are just salt of the earth people. And you will be shocked at the amount of high quality designs you'll find for t-shirts and sweatshirts over there at nightchannels.com so check them out hmt at checkout gets you 13 percent off make sure to share these episodes with a friend they're gonna want to watch it you're gonna want to like help them through it and we're here to uh to to help you do all that stuff yeah make it make a thing out of it do a do a watch party. Yeah, do a Your watch house. party with the uh, Midnight Mass and then listen to Midnight Mass After Show. There you so, go. People you, do that, right? You, you watch Netflix and then you chill out with the After Show. Right, Netflix and chill. People have, you know, I wouldn't know because I don't have friends other than you. So, uh-huh. I mean, and I, and I don't like coming here, so. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know what normal people do. Anyway, um, check out our website, horrormovietalk.com. We have a fabulous community and you can find them in all the social media links uh from our website if you'd like to get a hold of the show tell us we're wrong we are often wrong and you can do so by calling 682-253-4468 you guys have a fabulous time and we'll catch you on the after show for episode five of midnight mass Bye.